0: Chapter One of Vicky Van by Carolyn Wells. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Céline Major. One, Vicky Van. Victoria Van Allen was the name she signed to her letters and to her checks, but Vicky Van, as her friends called her was signed all over her captivating personality from the top of her dainty tossing head to the tips of her dainty dancing feet i liked her from the first and if her small and earlies were said to be so called because they were timed by the small and early numerals on the clock dial and if her little bridge games kept in active circulation a goodly share of our country's legal tender those things are not crimes i lived in one of the polite sections of new york city up among these sixties and at the insistence of my sister and aunt who lived with me our home was near enough the great boulevard to be designated by that enviable phrase just off fifth avenue we were on the north side of the street and nearer to the avenue on the south side was the home of Vicky van before i knew the girl i saw her a few times at long intervals on the steps of her house or entering her little car and half consciously i noted her charm and her evident zest of life later when a club friend offered to take me there to call i accepted gladly and as i have said i liked her from the first and yet i never said much about her to my sister i am in a way responsible for winnie and too she's too young to go where they play bridge for money little fadley prize-bags or gift-shop novelties are her stakes also aunt lucy who helps me to look after win wouldn't quite understand the atmosphere at vicky's not exactly bohemian and yet i suppose it did represent one compartment of that handy box of a term but i'm going to tell you right now about a party i went to there and you can see for yourself what vicky van was like how late you're going out said winnie as i slithered into my top coat it's after eleven "'Little girls mustn't make comments on big brothers.' I smiled back at her. Wynne was nineteen, and I had attained the mature age of twenty-seven. We were orphans, and spinster Aunt Lucy did her best to be a parent to us. And we got on smoothly enough, for none of us had the temperament that rouses friction in the home. "'Across the street,' Aunt Lucy guessed, raising her aristocratic eyebrows a hair's breadth. "'Yes.' i returned the least bit irritated at the implication of that hair-breadth raise steele will be over there and i want to see him this time the set eyebrows went up frankly in amusement and the kind blue eyes beamed as she said all right chet run along though i was chester calhoun the junior partner of the law firm of bradbury and calhoun and held myself in due and consequent respect i didn't mind aunt lucy's calling me chet or even as she sometimes did Chetty. a man puts up with those things from the women of his household as to winnie she called me anything that came handy from lord chesterton to Chessy cat i patted aunt lucy on her soft old shoulder and winnie on her hard young head and was off true i did expect to see steele at vicky Van's. he was the club chap who had introduced me there but as aunt lucy had so cleverly suspected he was not my sole reason for going a bigger reason was that i always had a good time there the sort of a good time i liked i crossed the street diagonally in defiance of much good advice i have heard and read against such a proceeding but at eleven o'clock at night the traffic in those upper side streets is not sufficient to endanger life or limb and i reached vicky van's house in safety it was a very small house and it was the one nearest to the fifth avenue corner though the long side of the first house on that block of the avenue lay between the windows on each floor were brilliantly lighted and i mounted the long flight of stone steps sure of a merry welcome and a jolly time i was admitted by a maid whom i already knew well enough to say evening julie as i passed her and in another moment i was in the long narrow living-room and was part of the gay group there angel child exclaimed vicky van herself dancing toward me did he come to see his little old friend and laying her two hands in mine for an instant she considered me sufficiently welcomed and danced off again she was a will-o'-the-wisp always tantalizing a man with a hope of special attention and then flying away to another guest only to treat him in the same way i looked after her a slim graceful thing vibrant with the joy of living smiling in sheer gaiety of heart and pretty as a picture her black hair was arranged in the newest style that covered her ears with soft loops and exposed the shape of her trim little head it was banded with a jewelled fillet or whatever they call those oriental things they wear and her big eyes with their long dark lashes her pink cheeks and curved scarlet lips seemed to say the world owes me a living and i'm going to collect not as a matter of financial obligation be it understood vicky Van had money enough and though nothing about her home was ostentatious or over ornate it was quietly and in the best of taste luxurious but i was describing vicky herself her gown the skirt part of it was a sort of mazy, maize-colored thin stuff, rather short and rather full, that swirled as she moved and fluttered when she danced. The bodice part was of heavily gold-spangled material, and a kind of overskirt arrangement was a lot of long gold fringe made of beads. Instead of a yoke, there were shoulder-straps of these same beads, and the sleeves weren't there. And yet that costume was all right why it was a rig i'd be glad to see winnie in when she gets older and if i've made it sound rather er gay and festive it's my bungling way of describing it and also because vicky's personality would add gaiety and festivity to any raiment her little feet wore goldy slippers and a lot of ribbons crisscrossed over her ankles and on the top of each slipper was a gilt butterfly that fluttered yet with all this bewildering effect of frivolity the first term i'd make use of in describing Vic's character would be touch me not i believe there's a flower called that "noli me tangere or some such name well that's vicky van she'd laugh and jest with you and then if you said anything by way of a personal compliment or flirtatious foolery she was off and away from your side like a thistledown down in a summer breeze she was a witch a madcap but she had her own way in everything and her friends did her will without question her setting too just suited her her living room was one of those very narrow very deep rooms so often seen in the new york side streets it was done up in french grey and rose as was the dictum of the moment on the rose brocaded walls were few pictures but just the right ones grey enamelled furniture and deep window-seats with rose-coloured cushions provided resting-places and soft rose-shaded lights gave a mild glow of illumination flowers were everywhere great bowls of roses jars of pink carnations and occasionally a vase of pink orchids were on mantel low bookcases or piano and sometimes the odor of a cigarette or a burning pastille of oriental fragrance added to the bohemian effect which is oftener than not discernible by the sense of smell vicky herself detested perfumes or odors of any kind save fresh flowers all about indeed she detested bohemianism when it meant unconventional dress or manners or loud-voiced jests or songs her house was dainty correct and artistic and yet i knew its atmosphere would not please my aunt lucy or be just the right place for winnie many of the guests i knew Cassie weldon was a concert singer and ariadne gale an artist of some prominence both socially and in her art circle jim ferris and bailey mason were actors of a good sort and bert garrison a member of one of my best clubs was a fast-rising architect Steele hadn't come yet two tables of bridge were playing in the back part of the room and in the rest of the rather limited space several couples were dancing mayn't we open the doors to the dining-room vicky called out one of the card players the calorics of this room must be about ninety in the shade open them a little way returned miss van allen but not wide for there's a surprise supper and i don't want you to see it yet they set the double doors a few inches ajar and went on with their game the dining-room as i knew was a wide room that ran all across the house behind both living-room and hall it was beautifully decorated in pale green and silver and often vicky van would have a surprise supper at which the favors or entertainers would be well worth waiting for having greeted many whom i knew i looked about for further speech with my hostess she's upstairs in the music-room said cassie weldon seeing and interpreting my questioning glance thank you lady for those kind words i called back over my shoulder and went upstairs the front room on the second floor was dubbed the music room vicky said because there was a banjo in it sometimes the guests brought more banjos and a concert of glees and collage songs would ensue but more often as to-night it was a little haven of rest and peace from the laughter and jest below stairs it was an exquisite white-and-gold room and here too as i entered pale pink shades dimmed the lights to a soft radiance that seemed like a breaking dawn vicky sat enthroned on a white divan her feet crossed on a gold-embroidered white satin foot-cushion in front of her sat three or four of her guests all laughing and chatting but he vowed he was going to get here somehow mrs reeves was saying what's his name asked Vicky, though in a voice of little interest. Summers, returned Mrs. Reeves. Never heard of him. Did you, Mr. Calhoun? And Vicky Van looked up at me as I entered. No, Miss Van Allen, who is he? I don't know and I don't care. Only as Mrs. Reeves says he is coming here tonight, I'd like to know something about him. Coming here? A man you don't know? I drew up a chair to join the group. How can he? Mister Steele is going to bring him, said Missus Reeves. He says, Norman Steele says, that Mister Summers is a first-class all-around chap, and no end of fun. Says he's a millionaire. What's a millionaire more or less to me? laughed Vicky. I choose my friends for their lovely character, not for their wealth. Yes, you've selected all of us for that, dear, agreed Missus Reeves, but this Summers gentleman may be amiable too. "'Mrs. Reeves was a solid, sensible sort of person "'who acted as a ballast for the volatile Vicky "'and sometimes reprimanded her in a mild way. "'I love the child,' she had said to me once. "'And she is a little brick. "'But once in a while I have to tell her a few things "'for the good of the community. "'She takes it all like an angel.' "'Well, I don't care,' Vicky went on. "'Norman Steele has no right to bring anybody here "'whom he hasn't asked me about.' if i don't like him i shall ask some of you nice amiable men to get me a long plank and we'll put it out of a window and make him walk it shall we we all agreed to do this or to tar and feather and ride on a rail any gentleman who might in any way be so unfortunate as to fall one iota short of vicky van's requirements and now said vicky if you'll all please go downstairs except mrs reeves and mr garrison and my own sweet self i'll be awfully obliged to you the sweeping gesture with which she sought to dismiss us was a wave of her white arms and a smile of her red lips and i for one found it impossible to obey i started with the rest and then after the gay crowd were part way downstairs i turned back please mayn't i join your little class if i'll be very good i begged i don't want bert garrison to be left alone at the mercy of two such sirens miss van allen hesitated her pink-tipped forefinger rested a moment on her curved lip yes she said nodding her head yes stay mr calhoun you may be a help are you any good at getting theatre boxes after they're all sold that's my profession i returned i learned it from a correspondence school where's the theatre lead me to it it's the metropolis theatre she replied and i want to have a party there to-morrow night and i want two boxes and this awful dreadful bad mr garrison says they're all sold and i can't get any what can you do about it oh i'll fix it i'll go to the people who bought the boxes you want and-i don't know what i'll say to them exactly but i'll fix up such a yarn that they'll beg me to take the boxes off their hands oh will you really And the dazzling smile she gave me would have repaid a much greater, herculean task than I had undertaken. And, of course, I hadn't meant it, but when she thought I did, I couldn't go back on my word. I'll do my best, Miss Van Allen, I said seriously, and if I can't possibly turn the trick, I'll-well, I'll buy the Metropolitan Opera House, and put on a show of my own. No, she laughed, you needn't do that, but if you try and fail, why "'We'll just have a little party here, a sort of consolation party, and—oh, let's have some private theatricals. Wouldn't that be fun?' "'More fun than the original program. I asked quickly, hoping to be let off my promise. "'No, sir,' she cried, decidedly not. I want especially to have that theatre party and supper afterward at the Brits. Now you do all you can, won't you?' i promised to do all i could and i had a partial hope i could get what she wanted by hook or crook and then as she heard a specially favorite foxtrot being dashed off on the piano downstairs she sprang from her seat and kicking the satin cushion aside asked me to dance in a moment we were whirling around the music-room to the zipping music and mrs reeve and garrison followed in our steps vicky danced with a natural-born talent that is quite unlike anything acquired by lessons i had no need to guide her she divined my lead and swayed in any direction even as i was about to indicate it i had never danced with any one who danced so well and i was profuse in my thanks and praise i love it she said simply as she patted the gold fringes of her gown into place i adore dancing and you are one of the best partners i have ever had come let us go down and cut into a bridge game we'll just about have time before supper pirouetting before me she led the way and we went down the long steep stairs a shout greeted her appearance in the doorway oh vicky we have missed you come over here and listen to ted's latest old joke no come over here and hear this awful gossip ariadne is telling for solemn truth it's the very worst taradiddle she ever got off here's a place vicky van a nice cosy corner tween jim and me come on lady girl no thanks everybody i'm going to cut in at this table may i am i a nuisance a vicky nuisance they ain't no such animal and bailey mason rose to give her his chair no said she i want you to stay mr mason cause why i want to play with you cassie give me your place won't you ducky daddles and you go and flirt with mr calhoun he knows the very newest flirts go give him a try out vicky Van settled herself into her seat with the happy little sigh of the bridge lover who sits down with three good players and in another moment she was breathlessly looking over her hand without she said triumphantly and knowing she'd say no word more to me for the present i walked away with Cassie weldon and Cassie was good fun she took me to the piano and with the soft pedal down she showed me a new little tone picture she had made up which was both picturesque and funny you'd better go into vaudeville i exclaimed as she finished your talent is wasted on the concert platform that's what vicky tells me she returned sometimes i believe i will try it just for fun you'll find it such fun you'll stay in for earnest i assured her for she had shown a bit of inventive genius that i felt sure would make good in a little musical turn End of chapter 1